Hello everyone, welcome, welcome, welcome back to Classic City Crime. I'm Cameron Jay, and wow, it does feel good, as I always say, to say those welcomes three times. It feels like it's been forever, right? It's really good to be back recording this week, even though I must admit, putting this episode together, because it hits so close to home, was a little difficult um, and led to some emotions this week for sure. That being said, I do hope each and every one of you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. I know the holiday looked a little different for a lot of people this year, but I do pray that wherever you spent it, that you felt loved and that you felt gratitude. You know, this week's episode really is going to focus more on my personal story with loss and tragedy. A tragedy that took my best friend 12 years ago to the day on December 7th. It really is a portion of my life story that I don't talk about that much because it really did forever alter who I am altered how I treat others, and it gave me a passion for the type of work that I feel we're doing together right now. Twelve years, you know, when I thought about that number and really did the math, I was like, wow, sometimes it seems like twelve years was just yesterday, and sometimes it seems like it was an eternity ago. You know, when we think about crime and loss, our minds often immediately go to homicide. Jacob's case, however, was different. It involved someone behind the wheel who was simply not paying attention. We've all been guilty of that. Hear from his mother in this episode, the ADA at the time who went to this scene of the crime, and some of our best friends as we tell his story. A story that led me to, I believe, be on this journey with all of you. But before we go there, let's go ahead and get that good deep breath you all know I'm a fan of and that I know I'm going to need for this episode. Let's hear from my friend Nolan Gottlieb. We'll be right back. Hey, Classic City Crime listeners. I know you've been eagerly awaiting the Athens podcast king himself, the voice that's as smooth as velvet, the Cameron J. But let me borrow you for just a second. Do you have a property that you need to sell? Well, I have properties that I'm looking to buy. It doesn't matter what condition it's in, I'm interested. I'd love to speak with you about your property and the possibility of buying it. Please feel free to reach out by phone or text at 864-356-5323 or email at nolan at gottliebrealty.com. Now, without further delay, here's the Cameron J. So I was born and raised in a very small town, and it actually is one of those places where more people live in the county than they do within the city limits. And we lived on the very far north end of the county, uh, about 20 miles, 15 to 20 miles, I would say, away from the hustle and bustle of what is downtown. With the county being so large, you can imagine it would have taken so much time for kids on a school bus to get from one end of the county to the other. So... I went to what I call one of the outlying county schools versus the well-to-do town school. You know, it was at this school in the first grade of Miss Carter's class that I met a young boy with similar interests with a birthday nearly exactly the same as mine, two days apart, who could take me to task on nearly everything. His name was Jacob. Now, he was in Miss Altman's class just next door, so we got to see one another very often with our classes being in close proximity, 
and our teachers, Miss Altman and Miss Carter, did a very good job of working together, so shout out to both of you if you're listening. It wasn't long before I believe we truly did become best friends. You know, our interests were similar, we liked politics, debate, religion, yes, even at that age we were different, and for all of our similarities, yes, there were some differences too, as you can imagine. You'll learn by the end of this episode that Jacob was, though, one of the most kind and mature spirits I have ever met in my now 25 years on this earth. And I think his mother does the best job of painting a beautiful picture of the son that he was to her, the brother and cousin he was to his family, and the friend he was to everyone who had the honor of interacting with him. So, like, he was a really good baby, like, best baby ever, um... Just entertained himself, didn't require a lot of attention. Um, Even growing up, he wasn't like an attention seeker, anything like that. Rule follower, never, (laughs) never in trouble, always, you know, tried to please people. He played piano, which um, you knew that. And he (laughs) uh, took piano lessons growing up. We took from the same person. That's right. Yeah. Miss Deborah. And um, Jacob didn't quite have the natural ability that you had, Cameron. <laughs> he, had to, he had to work really hard for it, but he did like to play. And he was very smart, very, very smart, brilliant, um, actually. Didn't have to study, never cracked a book, just all, everything just came natural to him. Mm-hmm. And he was a good friend to a lot of people. Um, and we discovered how many people after he passed away, actually, people that we didn't even know. Mm-hmm. And he loved the Lord, very involved in church. That would be, I, I would say, the thing that he was most proud of is his involvement in church. And just, he was that kid that cheered for the underdog. Yeah. That's what I like to think. You know, he was always for that underdog person and loved to help so people. so funny and, you say that because that's what everyone says about Tara, who our podcast has been talking about for the last 22 weeks. And I, I have noticed similarities in their brilliance as I've gone through this with her family. Um what can you tell us about his friendship with Cameron J? What do you remember about those times? Because oh, wow. I know we've all had some really good moments. <laughs> <laughs> they were best friends, but I often term their friendship as frenemies <laughs> because they were best friends, but oh, they had some some rugged fights sometimes too, to which I was often called to be the mediator between. <laughs> and that um, was usually me calling her, not Jacob. <laughs> Yes, but no, they were best friends, totally best friends, and I mean, just, yeah, like, I can't think of many memories without Cameron being involved there, too, you know? And how often do you find two 13-year-olds that are willing to sit down and talk about politics and religion? Oh, gosh, yes. <laughs> um <laughs> I was actually just thinking in the recent election about the previous elections of like the year that Jacob passed away was the year that Obama was running for president. Mm-hmm. And I remember some of y'all's lengthy discussions uh, <laughs> with teachers about that um, and other people that maybe were opposed at the time, you know, but I also think about, oh my gosh, my favorite memory or like one of my favorite memories of you guys in school was the time at Christmas. In Miss Osteen's class. The only time that Jacob ever got in trouble involved me, right? Yeah. <laughs> I've never had a teacher call me about him, except for that one time. And I will never forget, I was at the beauty shop getting my hair done, and the teacher called and tells me that Jacob caused a disruption in class. Well, actually, Jacob and Cameron caused a disruption in class. It was a double team. 
But, um, you know, anyways, long story short, they were just standing up for what they believed in. And, and I told her that, you know, I couldn't get on to Jacob about what he said because he was just saying, you know, that he didn't believe Christmas was about magic, but it was more about Jesus. And, <laughs> you know, I... And, of I, course, I was there as the choir to say, Amen, brother, hallelujah. And, that's right. You know, we, we did maybe cause a slight disruption. But, yeah. But, but... No trouble. <laughs> but I told her, I said, I can't get on to him for what he said. I'm proud of him for what he said, actually. But I will talk to him about his methods and, <laughs> and maybe taking the appropriate channels when he needs a turn to talk, so... <laughs> Might have been the only time he ever got in trouble in school. Well, actually, no, he did get in trouble a few other times, too, but... Probably nothing bad. No, <laughs> nothing major. Um, that's so funny. Yeah, we had some really funny times. And, you know, the funny thing is is that you talk a lot about Jacob's faith and, and what he believed. But, you know, the interesting thing that I was thinking about over the last few days preparing for this is... I don't think I ever saw Jacob beat anyone on the head with a Bible. I don't think he ever you know, had to spout off scripture necessarily. He lived his life in a way that was loving of other people, that was accepting of other people, that really drew people to the God that he served. Would you agree? That's right. Yes, yeah. definitely. Uh, and I think just the way that he treated people, like I said, he was a champion of the underdog. And like Jacob never met anybody that he didn't love. Mm -hmm. Like even that person that some people would, you know, I don't, I don't know. Like, I feel like he just loved everybody. Like He would probably cheer for me nowadays, right? Yeah, he probably would. <laughs> he might argue with you still, Cameron, about a few things, but, um, but he he did. He loved everybody, and I, don't, I think even people that maybe, you know, just were maybe not perfect. Like, and, I mean, none of us are, obviously, but, I mean, he mm -hmm. always was like, yeah, just cheered for everybody. Mm-hmm. He really was just good, and it's because of that goodness and his lasting impression on my life that I'll never ever forget the last time I saw Jacob. We were in 8th grade and were placed on opposite ends of the school hallway with different teachers, which I'm not sure if that was a setup, but was probably better for all of the teachers that we'd be apart. <laughs> but when the two of us were together, we were always sure to cause a spirited debate or to challenge the status quo of a lesson being taught. I will admit nothing has changed here one bit. That Friday, though, as I was walking down the hall, I noticed Jacob returning to his class from getting a drink at the water fountain. And I'll never forget the brown Aeropostale sweater he was wearing as he turned around and looked at me to say, well, hey, Cam, moron. Emphasis on the moron. <laughs> a nickname that only Jacob could get away with calling me. We laughed, and he went back to his class. I went back to mine, and I never really knew at that moment that it would be the last time I'd see him. Of course, if I could go back, knowing what I know now, I would have said much more. As school led out for that weekend on December 5th, 2008, no one in our class, friend group, or families could really imagine the deep loss that our community was about to feel. Sunday was, I would argue, probably one of Jacob's favorite days of the week. I mean, when people say he loved the Lord and loved going to church and loved being involved in those activities, he just did. He, he loved it. He treated every person as if they were valued, important, and loved because to him they were, and to his Jesus they were. I think we need more Jacobs in this world. I say that all the time. Anyway, on this particular Sunday, according to Jacob's mother, December 7, 2008, Jacob, his stepmom, his stepbrother, and some other family were meeting 
some of their extended family to visit the graves of some of their loved ones. On their way back, the unthinkable happened. At around 2 p.m., the van carrying Jacob and his family was hit by a distracted driver. As you'll come to learn, it was one of the most horrible wreck scenes I remember from my time back home. Here's Jacob's mom, Heather, again talking about what she learned on that day. So after what happened on December 7th, 2008? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um... How did that change your life? Well, um, there's a, a little crack in my timeline that I like to say mm-hmm. that that's, that's what happened there. There's like this before this happened and there's after this happened. Mm-hmm. And it's taken me almost 12 years to get to where I'm at and be, you know, have some a little more peace about it than I did at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, you know, I have to think that Jacob being the person that he was, that, you know, he would say that, you know, like he wouldn't want us to be unhappy and not live life Mm -hmm. because of this. Mm -hmm. However, you know, it's, um, there's definitely a hole that's not ever going to be filled. Mm -hmm. And there is always this longing with us that we miss him so much, but, you know, we're thankful that we believe this life is not the end and that we will see him again one day and, you know, mm-hmm. all that. You know, Jacob's mom actually did not find out something had happened to her son until about 5.30 p.m. that day. You know, this was a result of the investigation and the fact that Jacob did not have his wallet or his ID on him at the time of the accident. On this same Sunday, I was headed out the door to evening church service when my cell phone died and If you can imagine a 13-year-old Cameron without his cell phone headed to church, I was a little upset about it and really wanted to run back in and grab the charger where I could have it with me. But for some reason that night, I decided to forego finding a charger to take with me. I left that phone at home that night, and I remember it being one of the bright blue LG scoops. So for anybody out there who remembers those, wow, what a sight they were. Um, But, you know, I'm so glad that I ended up leaving that phone dead at home. Because I'll never forget the look on my aunt's face when she came out of the church as I was playing with other kids, saying, We have to get home immediately. My stomach sank. I knew something had to be wrong, but I didn't know what. Had something happened to my grandparents or my siblings? I didn't know. My mother, she couldn't answer any of these questions. All she kept saying was, We have to get home. And we did. When we arrived home, my entire family, including my grandparents, parents, cousins, and siblings had all assembled, and I'll never forget those chilling words that very nervously came out of my stepfather's mouth that evening. The words were, son, there's been an accident, and Jacob was killed. I don't really think I can tell you much about what happened after that immediately. I remember my mother and aunt catching me as I fell to the floor screaming, My world did shatter in that moment. Um, We often have things that happen in our lives that serve as that defining moment. Um, This was one of mine, and I think that's because of the effect that a loss this great can have on someone at such a young age. Now, the rest of the night was spent being exactly the person I've always been. I started calling fellow classmates. Yes, the home phone was a big thing back then. And I even called my school's assistant principal in typical Cameron fashion because I knew that other students would need counseling too. 
I wanted the school to get the news as fast as they could, and looking back, it kind of was an odd thing for a 13-year-old me to be trying to assemble, but I think it's exactly what Jacob would have done for me. At this time, though, I didn't really know much more about what happened to Jacob, other than that he was killed in a car accident. Were there other people dead? Was this just an accident? Was there something more? Well, there was, and who better to talk to than Assistant District Attorney Jan Kennedy? She's been a friend of mine since Jacob's death, and her office was actually called to the scene of the wreck that night. Something was indeed wrong, and a lot had happened. I remember pretty vividly. I, I was at work on a Sunday afternoon preparing for trial on uh, that, that Monday. While I was there I, I, at the office, the trooper called the office, and, uh, and they do that from, from time to time when there's a serious mm-hmm. uh, accident involving folks that might be killed or or serious injuries, mm-hmm. and he uh, told me that he had a, a, a bad wreck in Jeff Davis County, which is one of the counties that I work, mm-hmm. and uh, that he, at that time, had been notified he had some fatalities, more than one, multiple, and he said it was pretty bad. And uh, he told me briefly where it was located out on Bell Telephone Road and, and indicated, you know, if I wanted to come, if I remember correctly, I think I got his number, and I said, I'll be back in touch. I knew the investigator I worked with was coming to see if, if anything I needed, he could get it done for me. Sometimes we did need some <laughs> last-minute stuff done. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, when he got there, I, I told him about the, the bad wreck uh, over in Jeff Davis and uh, multiple fatalities. If I remember correctly, I think he took the number I had from the trooper, called him to get the exact location. Mm-hmm. And uh, at that point, we decided to go. And uh, we, we did, you know, we do that sometimes to help them if they needed some help. When, well, how uh, do you decide when, you know, like, when does the DA's office respond to the scene of a wreck or when does it not? Is it based on the extent of the injuries to the people involved or how do you use that determination? Well, uh, typically, you know, if the trooper asks us to, mm-hmm. uh, I always want to do it. Mm-hmm. He, 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 I think he indicated he would like for me to, but I uh, didn't have to, but he would like for me to. Mm-hmm. And uh, if there's fatalities, then that usually is an indicator that it's going to be a vehicular homicide. Mm-hmm. And uh, the question is, you know, is it a, a felony vehicular homicide or misdemeanor vehicular homicide? Mm-hmm. Big difference. Mm-hmm. And um, for that reason, if they need some, you know, legal help, uh, we're there to do that. We can do it by phone, but uh, oftentimes, if, you know, serious situation, we may go to the scene, and we did in this particular case. Sure. And when you arrived at the scene, I mean, um, just knowing what I know about what happened to my best friend, it was quite an awful scene. What can you tell us about that? Well, the thing I remember uh, when we got to the scene. It was dark, mm-hmm. so um, I remember seeing the flashing lights, of course, with the troopers, and that we were approaching this. And it was a four—it was not a four-way stop at the time, but it was a crossroads. And the side we were coming up on had the stop sign. If you crossed over, there was a stop sign, but the 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 road, Bell Telephone Road, at that time didn't have a stop sign. Mm-hmm. And so the vehicle your uh, Jacob was in, your friend. Uh, they didn't have a stop sign, so mm-hmm. it was just clear for them to go. Mm-hmm. But the other vehicle had to stop. And what I remember, uh, one of them, a couple of things really, but uh, I remember that the stop strips were very light, meaning mm-hmm. that uh, we were coming up on the stop sign and on our side, which was the opposite side from uh, the vehicle that uh, hit Jacob, mm-hmm. but um, that it was very light. You could barely hear the stop strips. Mm-hmm. And I remember that was a concern. I even commented on it to the uh, the investigator with me. 
Because uh, they wouldn't same, alert the driver. Right. Maybe that about, is, that's supposed to alert the driver. Mm-hmm. You, you're approaching a stop sign. Mm-hmm. And so I could see that, you know, if he was a little bit distracted, it might not alert him. Mm-hmm. But, of course, I don't know what it was like on the other side because I didn't right. go over there. But I assumed it might be similar. Uh, the other thing was the motor or the engine from the, the vehicle. And, again, I'm not sure if it was the van that Jacob was in or if it was the other vehicle, which I think was an SUV. But it was d- detached from the vehicle. And uh, it was probably at least, you know, 50 to, I don't know how many feet away from the vehicles, mm. from the from the intersection. And it had traveled, you know, down the kind of the side of the road, but it actually wasn't in the road. It was in the in the ditch, maybe on the edge of the woods. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I knew it had to be a high impact uh, collision because of that, because the engine was detached mm-hmm. and had traveled and I assumed it was probably the the SUV because it would have been traveling in that direction uh, when it hit the van so I assumed it must have come out of that vehicle mm-hmm. and uh, but again I don't know I don't remember at the time determining that so you get there and the you're informed that you they do not think alcohol or drugs are involved in this wreck that's correct at that time they didn't think so I think they were gonna you know doing follow-up but based on their initial talking to the the folks or the driver, they didn't think that. And of course, now we know that that wasn't the case, that it right. was a distracted driving case, right. something of that nature. Um, right. So yes, Jacob, his stepbrother, who I also loved and knew dearly, his stepmom and her mother were all killed at the scene of the accident. The driver of the other vehicle, though, he was not drunk. He was not intoxicated, not high on drugs. He was distracted. He was a distracted driver with children of his own. But in the state of Georgia, unbeknownst to us who probably break this law in our own lives at some point or another, that is a crime. I talked more about this with Miss Kennedy to help me better understand this and how the courts handle these types of situations. Did your office handle the legal proceedings regarding this case? We, well, in our counties, uh, in Jeff Avis and Applin, the two counties I work, uh, there is a solicitor that handles the misdemeanor cases. So no, once it was determined that it was going to be probably a, me, a, a misdemeanor vehicular homicide, then that the, the case went to him. Mm-hmm. And what made it misdemeanor instead of a felony? What is that differentiation? Usually, uh, you know, if, if, if somebody's under the influence of alcohol or drugs, then that immediately makes it a felony vehicle mm-hmm. homicide. There's also something called reckless driving uh, that could kick you into a, a felony vehicle homicide. But generally on a reckless driving, running a stop sign, you, you need a, usually more than that. You're mm-hmm. looking for somebody that, um, you know, Maybe he was on his phone. You know, he was he was clearly driving recklessly. Maybe mm-hmm. he was speeding and he passed somebody and uh, ran into somebody. But you're you're needing a little more than just running a stop sign generally. Mm-hmm. There could be some other factors that could get you there. But running a stop sign uh, is a misdemeanor, and um, well, it's a ticketable. You get a ticket for it, but that would put you in a misdemeanor vehicular homicide if you run the stop sign and cause the death. Mm-hmm. The thing that was so hard, you know. Because I think if people were like, you know, gosh, he kills, you know, so many people died. Mm-hmm. Four. Yes, four people, four people mm-hmm. died. And so that was, you know, it was such a terrible tragedy mm-hmm. that you almost are like trying to, well, maybe it's, you know, you're trying to find something more than just a mm-hmm. misdemeanor. But uh, at the end of the day, you know, you can't, you can't 
put something on somebody if you don't have the facts. And so you you know you, where the facts lead you. And in this case, it led to that we determined it was a misdemeanor vehicle homicide. The loss for our community truly was so great. Um, Jacob's father, I mean, if you think about it, he lost everyone. His mother lost her bright and shining star. I lost the best friend I'd ever had. And I can't say that I found someone that really compares to that kind of friendship to this day. Compassionate, caring, loving, empathetic. But I knew Jacob's mom, and I knew she would find a way to make sure Jacob was not just a victim of distracted driving, but she would make something good come of this. And that's what she did. She did exactly as Jacob would have done. She showed some grace, even to the man who took her own son. Um, and I think as far as like the accident itself, a distracted driving case that, mm-hmm. you know, brought about awareness to that. And, you know, I feel like I personally have devoted time and effort to to champion against distracted driving. And that's been a a way to channel some of my hurt and anger mm-hmm. and to really maybe ch- make a difference or change the outcome for someone else. Mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit more about that. You know, when people think of crime, they don't necessarily think of, you know, running a stop sign while on an electronic device and killing several people. Right. Um, what did the aftermath look like for you as it in, in regards to seeking justice for Jacob? Yes. Okay, so Jacob was almost 14 when this accident happened, and, you know, um, I say accident, and I say that term loosely because it was preventable, and I I don't think the person had malice in their heart or intent to kill or anything like that, and it it was an accident in that regard. However, um, my thought all along was, no, I don't want this person to go to jail because, you know, the person that hit Jacob had a two-year-old child, I believe. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I would never want to take someone away from their family or take a dad away from their child um, for something that they didn't intend to happen. However, I was thinking of you, Cameron. Mm-hmm. I was thinking of Jacob's friends. And I was thinking, you know, these children are about to get their learner's permit in a year. They'll be driving soon, and I didn't feel like it was okay to say, you can run a stop sign, kill four people, and you walk away, and how do you do? I hope your day is good, and nothing happens, you know? Um, So, I actually met with a victim's advocate at the district attorney's office, who has become one of our dear friends Mm -hmm. over the years, and um, our oldest son, Noah, or our middle child, Noah, under Jacob, mm-hmm. uh, worked at the DA's office for four years. So we actually became very close with that office, the people that worked there, um, you know, through his relationship with them, but also previously through what had happened with Jacob. And we sought out some type of justice that would, you know, just something that would bring justice to the situation, but would also be fair in what we thought. And so, um, the maximum that could have happened would have been one year of jail per person, mm-hmm. um, a thousand dollar fine per person, and a year of losing their license per person. And there was four people that died in the accident, so mm-hmm. that could have been up to four years in jail. We did not want that, never sought that, never asked for that. However, uh, we did come up with the actual—I don't know what I what I think was a good thing. Um, 
there's a program at our high school called Ghost Out, mm-hmm. and we actually, it's where they talk about drinking and driving, distracted driving, lots of things to do with driving and other things too, but we were able to incorporate this person into the program with me to talk to students wow. and, you know, just make them aware of what had happened and ways to prevent that from happening in the future and not as like in any way did I ever want this person to feel shameful or anything about that but it was more about just bringing awareness and you know just making an impact Mm. in the community and you know I felt like that was a fair thing it was something I had been participating in and and continue to participate yeah and continue to participate in but I thought it was you know how impactful to have that person speak to students And I believe he actually only came once, maybe twice, but I think it was only one time. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, but that was it for me. That So no jail time? No, no jail time. Um, I think he did maybe have to pay some fines. That was not anything mm-hmm. that I sought after, obviously. Mm-hmm. But um, And he did lose his license for four years, but I think he was allowed to have, like, a work permit to mm-hmm. go back and forth to work and that yeah. kind of thing. But, you know, really, knowing that Jacob's friends were turning 16, I just never wanted them to think it was okay. Mm-hmm. And that was, you know, what I felt like was a fair punishment, but. Well, I think that that's a really, um, you know, bold thing because I think a lot of times in our society we're taught that justice is punitive always, but it doesn't always right. have to be punitive. Sometimes it can be restorative and help people right. do better in the future and help other people to learn from that mistake. So I personally appreciate um, the way that you all sought justice in this case to be informative to people like me and my other classmates. And Heather, if you're listening, you continue to inspire me and thank you for continuing to, all of these years later, allow me to be a part of your family. I cannot express my gratitude enough. You know, I couldn't tell this story though through my own lens. Jacob was a friend to many more people than just me and He truly welcomed everyone regardless of their background or their circumstances, so I reached out to a few friends that we all shared back in the day. And though each of us have grown up now and have our own lives, one of us even living abroad, this group of friends will forever remain closely knit by Jacob's life and the way he taught us to live ours. It really was good to catch up with all of them and hear their stories. We're starting with my friend Valerie, who's living six hours ahead of us here on the East Coast, but still found time to share this hilarious memory of our friend Jacob from 4-H camp that we all attended in the summers. My favorite memory with Jacob was back when we went to 4-H's Rock Eagle camp. And on the last day, they were encouraging us to say goodbye to the new friends that we made and the camp counselors. And a lot of people were getting their shirts signed in Sharpies from the camp counselors. And Jacob looked at me and he said, I don't want to get my shirt signed because, well, that's Sharpie and it's never going to come out. And he wasn't wearing like the county t-shirt that they gave us. So I looked at him and I said, well, if you want to go super crazy, you could always get your face signed because some of the kids are doing that. He said, I'll be right back. And sure enough, when he came back, he had his cheeks were signed by some of the camp counselors and one went super crazy and signed his name in all caps across his forehead. And I left one picture left in my disposable camera. And so I looked at Jacob and I said, say cheese. And he gave me this, oh, you've got to be kidding me look. Best day ever. 
Fun fact, I do remember this, and I will never forget giving Jacob the hardest time for letting people ride on his face. I did not think it was the best move, but that's what he wanted to do, so that's what Jacob did. (laughs) Christina is who you will hear from next, and she and Jacob, too, were dear friends throughout our lives. Christina is still one of my dear friends, and I'm so proud of her um, and appreciate her having these words to say about Jacob. The friendship that Jacob and I had and built through the years of knowing each other was the was probably the most unique friendship that I've ever made, I would think. We were we were automatically such good friends in elementary school from having, you know, parents or grandparents that were working at the school, so we were always hanging out after school and before school and playing together and then as we went to middle school and would hang out every day after lunch and discuss, you know, the various topics of life that middle schoolers go through. Our our bond only got stronger. And then we would try to race back to classrooms after lunch as if we were extremely athletic when everyone knew we were not. Um, he was most certainly the, the brightest beacon of light in my life in the dark times and in the, the light times. He just made everything so much better. He never had to try doing so. He, uh, he, he just, he was the, the, the best friend that I could have ever asked for. And I'm so thankful that I met him when I did, when we were toddlers (laughs) and that I was able to stay friends with him for as long as I possibly knew him. Um, I wish that he was still here. He was, and probably forever will be my best friend. I um, visit him every single time that I can. I swing by and hang out with him and catch him up on how life's going. <laughs> I definitely, I, if if things did not turn out the way they were, and if he were still here today, I think that we would still be the best of friends. I don't know if there would have been anything that could have separated our friendship. He, uh, I don't think he would have let it happen. <laughs> but... Anyway, I'm rambling now. Um, Cameron, I'm I'm appreciate I'm so appreciative of what you're doing with this. Uh, I'm thankful that you're telling your story because it was taken too soon. Megan and Jacob were not only dear friends, but were cousins too, who spent many summers and weekends together exploring and playing together, and Megan sent this in about the cousin she knew, loved, and wants you to remember. My favorite thing about Jacob was how passionate he was. He had very strong opinions and he wasn't afraid to share them. He was always willing to debate, which often led to us arguing like an old married couple. We shared so many memories together, but some that I cherish the most are our adventures at Aunt Mary's, playing with Legos and creating coffee shops, him trying to fling me off the golf cart, or at Uncle Donnie's house, playing cops and robbers under the tree. He also taught me how to make my bike loud by putting a Coke can on my tire So it sounded like I had a motorcycle. (laughs) We would try to dig holes to China with our friends under the tree at the school, which often got us in a little bit of trouble. I'd do anything to experience one more day with him being a kid again. I'm grateful for the years and the memories that we shared, and I'm thankful to be able to share these memories with you guys today. Jacob was truly a gem, and I'm thankful that you guys all get to learn about him. And if you knew Jacob and I at all, you know that Terrence was also one of the three of us best friends, what we called the squad back then, if you will. Terrence and I are still friends to this day, and I'm so glad that we were able to catch up and talk about 
Jacob. Um, here's what he had to say. Hey, Cameron. Um, I was just thinking about the question that you asked me. You know, what is your favorite memory of Jacob or or what did he actually mean to you? I think um, if, if I have to be honest today, I'm just thinking my favorite memory of Jacob is his smile. Simply his smile. I, I, I can remember one day I was really battling with um, something in my personal life and and Jacob just walked by me, didn't say anything, didn't say hi, didn't say hey. He just looked at me and smiled. And that meant so much to me that day. That meant the absolute world to me. And it really turned my day around um, for the better. And so, so today, that is my favorite memory of Jacob. Just the way he smiled, the way he brought happiness um, love and comfort to anyone he met, anyone, his friends, his family, his peers, his classmates. That's what he wanted to present. And then to me today, if I, if I would have to say anything today, that is my favorite memory of our friend Jacob. So as you can see through these memories, Jacob's life really was one that was full of promise, but it was cut so short by a mistake we've all been guilty of, being distracted on the road. Jacob's mom, though, gives a good reminder that distracted driving is not just texting. It can be so much more. You know, distracted driving is so many things that we don't think of. Mm -hmm. It's not just being on your phone. It's not just calling, texting, etc. Um, distracted driving can be eating while you're driving. It can be turning your radio station while you're driving. It can be using a GPS, which is what was involved in Jacob's case, um, which thank goodness technology has advanced so much further <laughs> since then. I mean, this was 12 years ago. So now, you know, we do have hands-free devices and things that will, you know, aid you that are safe to use while you're driving. But I mean, it's just, it's so many things that that we're not aware of. So like when I talk to kids, especially that are new drivers, I like to remind them that, you know, anything that takes your attention away from the road mm. is distracted. I want to end by saying this, Jacob's life meant the world to me. And I was crushed in an inexplicable way when he was killed. Um, it changed my life forever. It changed the way I process emotions. It changed the way I allow myself to truly get close to some people makes it much harder to talk about in situations like this. And most of all, his loss inspired in me a lifetime of work to make sure justice can be served to those who deserve it. That's part of the reason why I feel I'm doing what I'm doing now, whether it be through this podcast or returning back to school to pursue my passion. Over the years, this lump that I do feel right now in my throat when his name is brought up has grown a little bit easier to bear. The tears have grown fewer, but the memories remain so vivid in my mind. I can still remember his laugh. I can still remember the way he spoke. And yes, I can still remember that perfectly enunciated Camoron. Oh, what I'd give to be called that one more time. I said the last time I was with Jacob was when I saw him down that long hallway, but I guess that's not true. I had the honor of sitting on the front row with Jacob's family at a celebration of life service attended by hundreds of hundreds of people. When the time came for his casket to exit the church, I was given the honor of following it to the back of that hearse where the pallbearers waited. 
and I know a part of my heart went with him that day as through tear-filled eyes I watched the hearse begin the journey to the cemetery. And I promised him that day that I would take him everywhere I went in my heart, to college, to my first job, to another country someday, now here to the podcast. December 7th will mark 12 years since he left us, since one split-second decision by another driver took not only his life, but the life of others. December 7th will mark 12 years that Heather has not had her son, that his little brother Noah, now in college and taller than me, has not had his big brother, and that he has not met the family's welcomed rainbow baby and sweet Anna Kate who I know Jacob would love in a way that only he could. My heart is with everyone you've heard from here today, and my heart is also with the man who lives with the burden of his decision to take his eyes off the road, changing hundreds of lives forever in that split second. And with that, I want to challenge all of us to do better when we're behind the wheel. And to Jacob, if you're listening, buddy, I love you with all my heart. I miss you more than words could ever describe, and I'm so grateful that God chose me to be your friend, for you to be mine, and I'm grateful to your family for keeping me around this long. Thank you all so much for listening. I'm Cameron Jane.